Amen. <laughs> Remain standing, Matthew 6, verse 25 through 34 is our scripture reading today. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? And which of you, being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which, of, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith, therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or, what shall we drink? Or, what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble." The word of the Lord. Dear Lord, we ask that you would help us this morning open our hearts to your word. Let your word penetrate our hearts and change us, not just today, but going forward. Be with Andrew. Let your spirit breathe through him and help us, dear Lord, to seek you first. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. It's been a crazy week. Um, I have never had anxiety like I've had it this week. Uh, here we are charged with looking at Jesus' words, uh, do not be anxious. I was awake at 2.30 this morning. I finally got out of bed at 3 uh, to uh, so I wouldn't cause Lisa to wake up and did get back to sleep. I'm grateful for that. But you know, here we are and been anxious about talking about anxiety, uh, worried about talking about worry. Uh, it's such a real thing uh, in our lives, worry, and we want to understand it a little bit more this morning. I, I love how Morgan sort of captured it on the front of the bulletin. It's abstract, so this is my own interpretation, uh, but uh, you know, just that, that chaos. We know that there is calm in there somewhere, uh, and it's a, a vertical calm that leads us to the Lord. Uh, but, but there's so much chaos in our lives. It, it doesn't take very long, just unofficial surveys that I've been doing this week. What 
sort of things cause you anxiety or what sort of things do you worry about? And I immediately get all sorts of things. Uh, they range, I would say the, the biggest ones are uh, we worry about just our standard of living. Um, I put it in that category, not talking about necessarily a high standard of living, but things like job and uh, war that is in the world. We worry about crime. We worry about uh, those types of things that infringe upon us. If we have children, we, we worried about our children a lot. Uh, we worry about their safety, we worry about their development, we worry about their future, whether they're going to, you know, who they might marry, I mean, we, we have what kind of grades they're going to get, what sort of job are they going to have, we, we worry about those types of things, we worry about our health. Uh, we've just come through a time where a lot of us, you know, our mantra has been stay safe, stay, stay healthy. Uh, we've been worried about these types of things, you know, whether we were going to live, whether we were going to die. We worry about broader relationships, friendships that we might have. Uh, how is this person going to perceive me? Uh, what is going to happen with this particular conflict. Now, those are all very real things, uh, and I think as we walk through this text, we're going to understand that Jesus isn't saying that these things are made up or these things are fabricated, these things shouldn't be part of our life. In fact, that seems to be the, the last verse where he's saying, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day uh, is its own trouble. Like, we have these. These are, are real things that we face in our, in our lives and in our world. Uh, there are things that are genuine concerns. The question is, what is the framework through which we are processing these things? Where, where are we taking them? What are we doing with them? Uh, and, and then how do, they, how do they sit with us as we continue to go? Those are some of the bigger questions that we have here, and I think Jesus gives us some, really, uh, some real help here as we walk through this. I also want to acknowledge that not all anxiety is the same. There are, there are a lot of words here. Uh, some translations, you know, say do not worry. We have uh, the word anxious here, so leading us to anxiety. We also have the word fear. Uh, fear and anxiety are often used in parallel. So if you read, for instance, Jeremiah 17, verse 8, uh, it talks about fears and then anxieties. In Luke chapter 12, which is a parallel passage to this one, uh, Jesus says, do not fear, little flock, uh, in, in a very you know, similar way to the way he uses anxiety. So we'll, we'll seek to understand that, but we recognize that they, they come in different shapes and sizes. Some of it uh, is the, are the things that we make up in our mind. 
Uh, it's nighttime often, right? When I think it was Amy Carmichael who said, where molehills become mountains. Uh, and some of you can relate to that and, you know, just the uh, things that go in our minds. But some of us really have the racing thoughts, uh, the things that we can't get out of our, our hearts and minds, no matter how hard we try, there's, a, uh, there's almost a biochemical perseveration with regards to those things. And I just want to acknowledge that, that we, we talk about this, there, there is a real range, uh, and there are actual times when uh, seeking professional help, medication, those are the types of things that may be helpful with regards to that. Part of what we need to do is, is learn to sort those things out. So Jesus is not saying here, uh, and I think you'll understand this as we go through, that you are to be condemned if that's your type of situation or if that's the kind of help that you're, you need. He's not saying that. In fact, Jesus' whole tone here is very what I would call pastoral or, or fatherly. I mean, think about the whole context of the Sermon on the Mount. The very first thing that he says in the Sermon on the Mount is, blessed are the poor in spirit. So Jesus isn't talking to a group of people that have it all together, uh, that don't worry about life because they have it all conquered. Jesus is acknowledging uh, that we are a poor in spirit, that we are a mourning people, that we are a meek people. We're hungering and we're thirsting after righteousness because this is our only hope. So let's walk through this passage this morning and see if we can understand it a little bit better. I have uh, three stops for us. You see them there in your bulletin. Question of control, uh, questions to consider, and then unquestionable comfort. A question of control. So as we read through this particular chapter, Matthew chapter 6, and we've been doing that the last couple of weeks, we've seen a lot of things that were to not do. Do do not do as the hypocrites do, uh, to to. Uh, to stand and let other people pray. Do not let your left or, or let other people hear and see you while you're praying. Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Do not heap up empty phrases when you pray. Do not look gloomy with your when you fast. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth. And it's in this context that he says, "Do not be." anxious. Uh, this is very much coming out of the passage that we led, read last week where we saw, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth, but treasures in heaven. Allow the, the light of your eye to be solely driven and focused and motivated and, and fed by the Lord Jesus because no one can serve two masters. Uh, either God is going to be your all in all, or whatever else you choose is going to be your all in all. And he says then, therefore, I tell you. So it, there's a direct connection here in verse 25 to what is going on. So when he's talking about this kind of worry, he's putting it in this context of other things that we allow to have domination in our life. 
these other treasures, these other things that our heart longs for. Uh, Here's how one writer puts it. The word anxiety is cast in the context of the issue of fearing, honoring, or glorying in some temporal created reality more than in the Lord. Uh, Here, Jesus is suggesting that these practices are grounded in a type of idolatry of reputation and wealth, uh, uh, but it could be any other temporal desire that we have. Anxiety as a restless, body-numbing fear of hypothetical loss is, according to Jesus, an issue of desiring over-control of our circumstances, of loving the things of this world, including our self-image, more than we ought, and failing to seek first the kingdom of heaven and His righteousness. So, like we said, been saying throughout the entirety of, of the Sermon on the Mount, there's an issue of what your heart's affection is set on uh, that's tied up with our anxiety. Uh, and a lot of it has to do with our control. So, it's not the concerns. The concerns are real. You know, when I put my 16-year-old behind the wheel, I have real and legitimate concerns. Uh, some of my 16-year-olds more than others. I will not say which ones. Uh, but there, there are real and legitimate concerns. When we get a diagnosis, there is a real, there is a legitimate concern. If we lose our job, if we go through a divorce, if we, you know, walk any of these things in which the brokenness of this world impinges on our life, there are real and legitimate concerns. The question is, what are we doing with them? Are we seeking to control them? Are we seeking to manage them like we might manage our self-image when people hear us pray, or we might manage our reputation in the community when people see us give to certain causes? You cannot serve two masters, Jesus is saying. You are either wholly surrendered to me, and that means in the midst of the difficulties of life, you know, when that cancer diagnosis comes, uh, when uh, we see a child who is walking away from the faith, when those things come that are very real and they cut us to the core, the question is, what are we going to do with that. In fact, this word here uh, in the Greek, merimanao, uh, it, it actually has some of the, the root of marinate. Uh, when you marinate, you, you soak in something. And, and Jesus is saying here, don't merimanao. Uh, don't marinate in your troubles. Don't don't brood and, and soak and perseverate and fixate on and obsess over these things that are going on in your hearts and in your minds. Uh, this, is, this is not the way to try to handle these things. But that's oftentimes where we find ourselves. Uh, we find ourselves marinating or, or brooding over them. Or we find ourselves uh, avoiding them altogether because we recognize that we, we can't 
control them. And so we, we do other things to, to try to gain some semblance of control in our life. Isn't it amazing how often, and some of you maybe can relate to this more than others, you start cleaning uh, when you are, are troubled, you know, when you're anxious. Uh, pandemic was sort of famous for people cleaning, for them like stripping their towels and, and doing all sorts of things because I, I can't do anything else about my life, so I am going to really get on top of this thing. One writer, her name is uh, Jane Grizzle in a... Uh, Uh, article entitled, entitled, Scrubbing Away the Anxiety. She says, I believe the lie that cleaning and organizing will change my life. I've been through enough counseling to know that I would rather control my immediate surroundings rather than deal with what's outside of my world and outside of my control. I'm looking to distract myself from the real issue. So I strip my towels and I power wash while clutter builds up in my house. I don't want to actually look at my own mess and consider why I have unopened mail and a pile of boxes. I'd rather strip my towels. When the world seems out of control and hope is just a tiny flicker of light, we're happy to head straight for the power washer. Uh, I don't know if that is you. Others of us find our control in other things. It's what we post on social media. Uh, when, we, when we feel out of control about world events and about who's getting elected and about this war and about this policy and all of those types of things, uh, we, we go and we post. We uh, post uh, it, you know, really compulsively and almost out of control because we're, we're trying to gain some of that control in what we're doing. We, we curate our lives. We show the clean parts. Uh, so that we don't have to deal with these other more messy parts. It, it, it really is, and this is what Jesus is saying here, this is the type of thing that we have to be careful of. It, it's this obsessing over these parts of your life uh, that feel out of control to you. They're real concerns Today, you know, every day has trouble for its own. Jesus is not denying that at all. Uh, but where do we go with them? What do we do with them? And that's the second thing I want to observe with you here this morning. It's interesting, as we walk through this passage here, Jesus asks several questions, uh, and, and he gives us these questions to consider. Uh, he uses that word in verse 28, consider uh, the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory wasn't arrayed uh, like one of these. Um, he says, you know, look at the birds of the air, verse 26. There are other famous passages that have to do with anxiety. Uh, Philippians 4 is one of them. I think many of you are probably familiar with that passage in Philippians 4. Paul, from a Roman prison, uh, he says, uh, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Uh, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. What's interesting is the verse that comes just before that. He says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. 
The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious for anything. Peter also, First uh, Peter 5, verses uh, 6 and 7, he says, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So he's not condemning the anxieties. He's telling us what to do with them. Cast the anxieties on him because he cares for you. But then his very next words are, be sober-minded. And I never made that connection until this week. But so often when Jesus, I mean almost every time that I can find here, uh, when the scriptures talk to us about our anxieties, they're connecting it with clear thinking. Uh, Consider. Be sober-minded. Let your reasonableness be evident. We've been studying, we have this Doctrine of Man class that a few of us are doing on um, every other Monday night. And one of the things that they have been emphasizing is that our, our old self, our, our unregenerate self, and even the, the parts that, that linger on after the Lord saves us, uh, one of the characteristics of, of that old self is cloudy thinking. You know, so Paul in, in Romans 12, 1 and 2, he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Uh, and that's the promise that we're invited to lean into here, that really thinking correctly, uh, thinking biblically, uh, thinking through God's promises, you know, sitting in those, soaking in those, marinating, as it were, in those, that's what Jesus is saying here. This is part of how we address these. As surrendered people, as disciples, Jesus is speaking to his would-be followers, and he says, if you want to follow me, uh, I want to invite you into a place where you, you learn to think correctly. In some ways, it, it's like uh, spiritual dialysis, uh, dialysis, you, you hook up to the machine because you've got to get the poison out. Your kidneys are no longer sufficient to get the poison out of your blood. So we've got to, we've got to run our, our blood through this machine to, to get out the, the poisoned thinking. And this is what the Scriptures are calling us to. I mean, we, we see examples of it. We, you look at Psalm 42, Psalm 43, where the psalmist there is, is doing the self-talk. Why are you cast down, O oh, my soul? <laughs> it's okay to talk to yourself. The Bible gives us permission. You know, why are you cast down, O oh, oh, my soul? Hope in the Lord. You know, he, he is giving it. This isn't just positive self-talk. This is anchoring in the truths of Scripture. And Jesus gives us a couple of these truths. He, he encourages us to take perspective in verse 25. He says, uh, is not the body, uh, don't be anxious about your life, whether you eat or will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Uh, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Jesus says, Stop and think about the things that you are worried about, those molehills that have become mountains. Like, how important are they 
in the grand scheme of things. You know, so many of us worry about things that uh, they are important and they're real. We're not, we're not diminishing those uh, in that sense. But in the grand scheme of things, in the big questions of life, uh, are they the eternal things? Are they the things that really matter? I think I've said this before. Uh, you certainly have known this or heard this before. In the grand scheme of things, is if you are Jesus' disciple, if you have surrendered your life to Him, your absolute worst-case scenario is that you, you lose your life, you die, and you are immediately transported into the presence of the Lord. You know, Paul says, to, to live is Christ, to die is gain. You know, the things that we, we fear in this life, in the grand scheme of things, when we get the eternal perspective, uh, when we get that eternal perspective, they begin to diminish. And so, Jesus says, part of clearing your thinking is to understand, to get some perspective, stop, take a look. You know, invite a friend or a loved one into this. Help me to gain some perspective on this thing that has got me so wrapped around the axle that I can hardly operate or function. Jesus also gives us a second question. Uh, he says in, um, in verse 27, he says, uh, you know, again, look at the birds of the field. Uh, they neither sow nor reap, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? Uh, and, and that's a great question. You know, what, what good is your worrying doing? Which of you, by, by perseverating on these things, by marinating in your concern, by, by not taking it to the Lord, that's what is implicit in this, are you, are you, are you helping the situation? Are, are you solving the situation? Now, some of you ascribe to uh, the philosophy that, yes, of course I worry because 90% of the things I worry about never come to pass. So, uh, you feel like your worry is contributing to that in some positive way. Um, but Jesus says, you're spending useless energy. It's energy that could be spent in a more positive way. There's an invitation here for Jesus's little flock uh, to, to find their rest in Him. You worry about many things, uh, but there's only one thing that is needful, and there's only one place where we will find rest. And this is really my third observation for you this morning. I, I mentioned it at the outset, the entire tone of this passage in uh, Luke 12 as well, Jesus' teachings on anxiety, is not one of condemnation. Yes, it is in the imperative mode, do not worry. Uh, but it's not the kind of uh, imperative that comes with a condemnation. You know, what we see here are Jesus' words that are very gentle, 
They're very tender. Uh, and they're coming with an invitation, an invitation to, to rest. Jesus says, oh, you of little faith. But he, he is not pushing down on a people who have failed to put their faith in him. But rather, he is inviting these would-be disciples, these ones who will face all sorts of, of troubles, these ones who will go out and they will be persecuted, they will have times when they do not have food or clothing, and he helps him to say, uh, to see, I am enough, and I care for you. Jesus' tone from the very beginning, blessed are the poor in spirit. Throughout this section here, you see the fingerprints of the Father. Uh, you see it in verse 26. Your heavenly Father feeds them. Uh, verse 32, the Gentiles seek after these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Verse 30, God is the one who so clothes the grass of the field. Will he not much more clothe you. Jesus does this thing where he argues from the least to the greatest. If he does these things for the sparrows, for the birds, these insignificant little creatures that you sort of see around, will he not much more so do for you? He looks at the grasses of the field that are going to be burned up. They have so little value. Will he not more, so much more do for you. Because the question that he wants us to understand, the, the truth that he wants us to understand is how much the Heavenly Father values you. You know, will he not care for you? And the answer to it is yes. Yes, our, our Heavenly Father cares for us. Our Heavenly Father loves for us. So these anxieties, these concerns, these really, really difficult things in life, and I understand that. We are talking about real things with real people that are really hard that we're walking through. Uh, but Jesus says, your Heavenly Father, He knows. He sees. He cares for you so much more so than he cares for these birds and the grass. Will you rest in that? Will you surrender to that? That is what Jesus is saying. Only one thing can be foremost in your life. I mean, there are all of these other things that we can spend our mental energy on, but only one thing can be foremost, and that is to trust in the Lord Jesus. You know, dialysis doesn't only get the toxins out of our blood, but it cleans it up, and it puts fresh blood into us. It puts healthy, oxygenated blood. We feel better as we go through that. And that is what Jesus is saying here. Understand, understand the fresh flow of oxygenated blood is that your heavenly Father cares for you. 
And Jesus will demonstrate that to us as He goes to the cross. We're going to come to the table this morning and we're going to see the bread broken. We're going to see uh, the cup poured out. And we know that our Father loves us. I've shared with you before, John Owen, he says, the greatest harm that we can do to God, the greatest burden that we can lay on the Father is not to believe that He loves us. And Jesus here is saying, understand, know, preach it to yourself, moment by moment, day by day, uh, week by week, hour by hour, preach it to yourselves, the value that you have because of what God has seen in you, in His creation, in His redemption. It's the Father. It's the Father that we recognize from Luke 15. It's the one who ran after the prodigal, uh, who embraced him in his arms, who, who put the ring on his finger, who killed the fatted calf. He recognized all of the hurt and all of the harm that this one had brought on himself. But the Father loves his son. He loves his daughters, and he will run, and he will embrace them. And it's interesting to think, and you know, here's where we come, because one of the things that may be condemning us right now is our own worry. Like, Lord, I see this in my life. I allow myself to get down the wormhole of, of worry, and, and I find myself trapped in that. I, I'm, I'm making molehills into mountains. This is such a pattern for me. Surely you must condemn me. But the Father never condemns the prodigal who comes home. He always welcomes them home. One writer recently was imagining the prodigal who after uh, four or five years back in the father's house uh, left again. <laughs> he says prodigals have a way of finding themselves right back in the pigsty. Uh, the pigsty of worry, the pigsty of anxiety, the, the pigsty of, of not trusting that the Lord is who he says he is. The music has faded. The fair weather friends have ditched us. The temporary euphoria of so-called freedom has been replaced again by those iron shackles of shame. As you stare into the eyes of the nearest muddy, stinking pig, what do you see? You see your face. You see your soul and you recognize what you've become Again, here I am, again, worrying, so filled with that anxiety. In that moment, hell shouts, now you've gone, now you've done it, you stupid piece of garbage. Listen, can't you hear all the older brothers and sisters scoffing as they tell their friends that they knew, they just knew that you'd go and do it again, that you'd be consumed with worry, that you'd be eaten up by anxiety can't you hear the servants making you the butt of their jokes? Can't you hear the congregation whispering, I suspected that she wasn't truly and sincerely repentant the first time. You're a lost, lonely, hopeless cause. You're not even human. You're a pig, and that's all you'll ever be. So hell spits. 
so hell accuses. And my guess is, is that you've heard those voices. But what Jesus wants us to hear is another voice. Not shouting, but whispering. Uh, it's the voice of heaven. It's the familiar lilt of dad's voice echoing down the long hallways of hope through your ears and down to the deepest, darkest caverns of your pain. He doesn't accuse. He doesn't berate. He only mouths two simple words in which are compressed the full expanse of heaven's redemptive love. Come home. Come home, my son. Come home, my daughter. Come with your hands still clutching that bucket of slop, those idols of control, all those plans that you've made, all those posts that you have put up, trying to escape the worry, anxiety, seeking other places of rest. I don't care. Come with your fears, your anxieties, your broodings, the things you're fixated on, the things that you obsess over. I've seen those. I've died for those. I love you. All I care about is you. You are all that matters. Come home. Come home and find your rest in me. We are worried. We are anxious about many, many things. Jesus knows that. Each day has trouble for its own. Cast your anxieties on him. He cares for you. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for uh, its beauty as it comes to us. Um, Lord, we pray that you would help us uh, to uh, eschew the shame and the condemnation in our life that oftentimes uh, comes around worry uh, and help us to find our rest in you. We pray this all in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.